Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our podcast here at Campus De Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Um, we got to see each other this weekend, Colin. Yeah. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it was magical. We oh, only let gonna... you in because you didn't bring the robe, which you are now sporting while we're doing this mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course. Uh, I don't usually wear that in public. Uh, I don't usually wear that outside of my own house, but in my own house, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to wear what I want. How many people have seen you in this robe? Estimate. Uh, I mean, anybody who's been on a on a uh, pod with me here for, um, from the C2C crew, so I'm going to give it like a rough seven or eight people from just that. Um, obviously my fiance, um, brother, parents, grandparents, um, one set of friends. So roughly maybe 12 to 15, the real rider dies, the inner circle. That's how yeah. you know. There it is. If, if that was, uh, if I had an inner circle on Twitter, it's only going to be people who've seen me in a row. <laughs> Fair enough. And just for clarity's sake, folks, he is. At least wearing a shirt with a robe. Obviously, I can only see from neckline up. That's one thing. So it's not that he's sitting here naked. That's one thing I don't really understand with some robe people is that they like go naked underneath the robe. Like I don't do that. Like I always have clothes underneath my robe. So what's the purpose of wearing the robe then with clothes on? It's like a big blanket. This is I know you can't like this isn't like a silk kimono here that i'm wearing or whatever like this is a super fluffy and fuzzy robe and i wrap it tight around me and it's like a blanket why don't you just get a snuggie uh i had one i don't really like it because one it's the other way around like the all the material is in the front and then your back gets a little cold there's no like tie on it and there's no pockets at least not in the ones that not in the one that i had so I tried Snuggy. Um, I'm firmly in the robe over Snuggy camp. So there you are, Snuggy engineers. If you can add some features to your product, you can at least sell one to Colin and we, to make it a robe. Uh, we'll advertise <laughs> uh, on the show here, um, and that is a promise, sort of. We'll advertise for at least mm-hmm. an episode on that. Hey, I will. Uh, you know what? If they want to give me one for free and they want to sponsor this podcast, I will wear it every single episode. Even when wow. we go live, which you're a total much sellout. Never happens. You're a yes, total sellout. I am. Mm-hmm. I will sell out. Aware. I will sell out for most, pretty much any product. Well, self awareness is is key, Colin. It sounds like you you have it at least in this regard. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, and some other things maybe not. A um, couple of housekeeping item guys, and then we will jump into this episode here. Uh, freshman guide is still available for anybody. If you have a supplemental slash freshman dra- uh, uh, draft coming up here this off season, you're looking for some more info uh, and a lot of info in one place that that is relevant to that. Go ahead, check out the freshman guide. It is twenty dollars on the website. Available on there, campusdecanton.com. If you are a scholarship yearly member, an NIL tier yearly member, or you took advantage of our grandfather deal uh, back before the website switched over. You get it for free. And if you have not received it yet, please let us know. And we will get that over to you. Um, Devi guide 
is going to be releasing on June 1st for everybody. I believe we finally have the amount of profiles that are going to be in it. It's 280 something, I believe, 283, 286, something like that. Whoa. Um, we released the cover and we have released one or two profiles in our Discord. So go ahead over there if you want to get a sneak preview of everything we have. Um, and that will be $20 as well for anybody looking to snag that. And then a last thing here, guys, before we kick off, if you have not checked out Sharp Sports over on YouTube, uh, Marcus Sharp, no relation to Felix or so he says, um, go ahead and check his videos out. The, uh, does a lot of deep diving into recruiting, future classes, the whole way down to you know, 2025, 2026 freshman classes. Um, and he might have a little promo code for you if you check out his show uh, to Campus to Canton. So go ahead and check out Marcus's work. Before and uh, one last thing here, I guess actually I lied. I'm sorry. I, I don't. I try not to start off the show lying to you guys, but uh, it has to happen here tonight. We are part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, uh, along with a ton of other great podcasts. You can find all of those shows in one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live. They do a weekly Friday recap that breaks down the entire week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. News, Colin. Scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Not a lot of exciting stuff going on this week. And, and you'll know that that is true because of who we're starting off with here. Emory Jones, quarterback, uh, formerly of Florida, has officially, officially committed to Arizona State. Now, I thought this was news a while ago. So I'm wondering if this is uh, like a grad type transfer. He, he was waiting to finish up his last semester there because he's been in college for a while. Uh, obviously lost the job to Anthony Richardson this offseason. Might have even lost the backup job to Jack Miller there. So he is looking for a fresh start. And where better than the team that nobody apparently wants to be on next year in the Sun Devils? Um, is this, uh, I mean, could this be a good fit? A, t- a team where maybe he has to kind of do everything? He kind of has that skill set. Um, I mean, I think he is... Probably right on par or maybe slightly worse than Jaden Daniels. And Jaden Daniels was like mildly fantasy relevant there. So maybe. Now they did lose, you know, Rashad White, um, a Chip Trainum. So their top two backs from last year. They replaced them with Zazavian Valade from um, Wyoming, formerly of Wyoming, and Daniel Nada, who's on the roster there. He was a former all, all-purpose back, uh, four-star guy. So the running game might take a bit of a step back, so they might need him to do a little bit more. So I could see him being a sporadic QB2, QB3 type of a player. So, like, is he rosterable? Yeah. Do I want to roster him? Probably not. So it doesn't do a ton for me here. I know you mentioned some running backs there, Colin, and that obviously is a big part of Emory Jones's game, but that's probably not... Um, the bigger question, I, th- I think that's going to be who is he throwing to? Uh, Arizona State loses five wide receivers to the transfer portal this year, including their leading receiver last year, last year Ricky Pearsall. They also lose uh, a C2C show favorite here, LV Bunkley Shelton to the portal. Um, I mean, it, it, it's it's not that Emory Jones is a great passer anyway, but I'm, I think it's going to be tough for them to really move the ball consistently there uh, in a Pac-12 that I think is probably on the up and up a little bit. I think Oregon's going to be a pretty good team next year. I think Utah is going to be a very good team again. 
Obviously, USC defensively is not going to be very good, uh, but offensively probably should be. Uh, and they actually <laughs> probably stole Arizona State's best defensive player here this offseason. So, I mean, it, it the, the conference is definitely going to be a little better than it has the past couple years. I, I, I wonder exactly what this offense is going to look like here in 2022. Yeah, I don't really know what this is going to look like either this year. Like you said, the, the Pac-12 is getting better. They already weren't really that great last year. Is this even going to be the best offense in the state of Arizona? Probably not. Ouch. You're going to upset <laughs> some people, Colin. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. Spot the lie, you know? I mean, Arizona has a pretty significant upgrade here. Uh, give me Jaden Delara over Emory Jones. Give me Jacob Cowing over any receiving option currently on Arizona State. Uh, you know, I know we were high on two of the guys from last year, LB Bunkley Shelton, Elijah Badger, two guys we thought that had some serious potential. Looks like those are going to be misses. Time to adjust on that front. Um, they don't really have anybody else there. The running game, I don't really know how that's going to shake out, whether it's Xavier Valade, Daniel Nada, whether it's going to be a combination. Um, and I like Jonah Coleman and, uh, Rashawn Luke, the, the freshman duo at Arizona. I don't know how much work they'll get year one here, but I like them moving forward. There's four pieces on the Arizona offense that I like more than pretty much anybody else on Arizona state. Um, and just to, to, oh, and there's your... the tight end too, Burnett. Thank you for that. Um, I was just putting a fifth one out there. Um, and just to add here, guys, the receivers that have on their, been on their way out besides LV Bunkley Shelton that are really kind of relevant. Ricky Pierce saw Junior Alexander and Johnny Wilson all hit the portal. I believe Junior Alexander is going by um, Lanyada, I want to say is how it's pronounced. Um, he's at Washington. Johnny Wilson went over to Florida State and Pearsall has yet to find a home. Uh, he was a, a recent entry. So um, yeah, lots of talent leaving ASU, but maybe uh, somebody coming in there that can help things out a little bit. Um, I mean, we just mentioned LV Bunkley Shelton, so why not here, Colin? He he, this week decided he's going in the portal. I'm assuming spring practice did not go well for him. Um, rumors of Oklahoma, I think that's interesting. He, he was a big favorite of ours last offseason, um, but the dream might be over regardless. If he goes to Oklahoma, I'll be very intrigued by that. I mean, they have Marvin Mims there, um, Theo Weiss still there, mildly interesting, maybe a little bit. Um, Jaleel Farouk, uh, he didn't really do much last year, but he's been getting a little bit of hype there. But those aren't really super inspiring wide receiver options. I mean, they're fine, but I think LV Bunkley Shelton is a good addition, would be a good addition to this room. I think he could carve out a nice role there. So I don't think the dream's totally dead if he goes to Oklahoma. Um, and it would also depend on where else he's going. Like that's the only place I've really heard him connected to so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it's totally dead, but it's, it's kind of on life support. Maybe this is finally the year that, um, that, uh, uh, oh man, what the heck is his name? The other, the other ASU wide receiver that we liked. Elijah Badger. Eli yeah. Elijah Badger. Maybe this is Badger's time to shine. Not a lot else there. I mean, I mean, there really isn't, but I don't really, I mean, I don't know. I guess Emory Jones made, no, 
He didn't really make anybody. I was gonna say, made who? Made who good? Made who good? Nobody. <laughs> like, he made nobody. nobody. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Badger Yikes. can run fast, so maybe you know mm-hmm. he can just kind of throw it up and, and hope it hits him. Um, last, I think kind of probably a better in the yak game. Honestly, maybe just short little dump offs. Don't ask Henry Jones to do too much. And we're oh yeah, we're asking to throw it really far, dump it off. The intermediate stuff, not for him. Yeah. Uh, last name here, guys, uh, and I thought this one was official a lot earlier as well, but but it, it was not. Uh, Tyler Harrell, uh, former Louisville wide receiver, officially to Alabama. Uh, we've talked a little bit this offseason about how Alabama really just didn't have that much uh, deep speed on the roster. They have a lot of you know crafty guys in the short game and and JoJo from the slot, but but nothing really perfect. So they went out and fixed that. Jermaine Burton uh, from Georgia coming over, and now Tyler Harrell as well. Last offseason, when Jamison Williams transferred from Ohio State, I think I, I know I certainly said it. I know I was not the only person that I figured that was kind of a a role player addition that they were trying to make. That they were looking for team speed. They found a guy that could stretch the field, and you know he'd get forty catches, eight hundred fifty yards, and a handful of touchdowns. Obviously, he turned into their wide receiver one. Um, so I, I'm hesitant to sell Tyler Harrell short here. And I admittedly haven't watched a ton of Tyler Harrell. Um, but this one feels more like a depth signing even than Jamison Williams did last year, even knowing what we know now at this point, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I I was with you on Jamison Williams last year. I'm kind of with you on Tyler Harrell here too, but you know, at the same time, like, are we making the same mistake? Like undervaluing a guy that Saban brought in. I mean, he Tyler Harrell wasn't even really in the portal before you heard the Alabama rumors. Like I was also surprised this wasn't official sooner. Um, I had just kind of heard Tyler Harrell to Alabama and then like forgot about it. We offhandedly mentioned this on a show like a month ago. Like mm-hmm. we were talking about the Alabama wide receivers or something. We we're like, oh, now they have Tyler Harrell there. So yeah, yeah. I was shocked when I saw that. I was like, oh, I guess that wasn't official, but we talked about it like it was. And, and yeah. Um, so I mean, are we making the same mistake we made last year, where you know we kind of discounted Jamison Williams and the role that he could have? Um, maybe, like I said, Tyler Harrell basically plucked from Louisville before he was even in the portal. Um, it's kind of one of those situations where he was going to go to Alabama. Like that was all rumored beforehand. Um, I still hesitate to put him value him that highly. I mean, they do have, they bring in Burton. I like Burton a lot. I think that Burton is going to be that wide receiver one. Uh, I think he's going to be a first round wide receiver this coming year. Um, I would bet pretty heavily on that at this point, barring any sort of like a major injury. But it's not a guarantee. I mean, he's brand new to that offense as well. Um, JoJo Earl, Ja'Cory Brooks are still there, but they were freshmen last year. You know, they, JoJo Earl battled some drops, like you said. So it's not like they're sure things either. There isn't really a sure bet in this room. You can make worse bets than Tyler Harrell. So I don't, I'm not going to fault anybody for uh, valuing him as an Alabama wide receiver. Uh, but I'm just, I'm not quite there yet. I'm wondering, um, this has made me just reconsider what I thought about um, 
where everyone was going to kind of line up, what roles they were going to play. You know, I think the offense is a little different from when Sark was there, where they were kind of running four wide. Um, I, I don't know that they're going to necessarily do that anymore. So I don't know with Bill O'Brien there. I think three wide kind of seems to be the template, at least based on what they had last year. Um, and again, that, that wide receiver room was not deep last year. So maybe they switch back, but I'm going to base my assumptions that I'm building this off season off what happened last year and not any of the years before that. So I'm thinking three wide receiver spots, thinking basically a guy that kind of can work deep uh, at a more consistent level, a guy that kind of does a little bit of everything intermediate, think a John Mechie last year, and then a slot guy. And you can kind of move him around however you want. Um, and then obviously the, you will get a healthy dose of Cameron Latu. We'll get a healthy dose of a, you know, I bet they just, they split Jameer Gibbs out of time. So, I assume that Jermaine Burton was good for the deep role. And then I thought it was probably a Ja'Cory Brooks-ish type for the Mechie role and then um, uh, JoJo Earl in the slot. Now I'm wondering if that means that Tyler Harrell plays the Jamison Williams role, Jermaine Burton plays the Mechie role. This isn't a huge deal necessarily, but I do think, you know, Burton in the, if he was playing the Jamison role, obviously is going to be working deep a lot more. So he might, maybe expect some more explosive plays, whereas if he's playing the Mechie role, maybe he's just more of a possession guy that can do more. He is more athletically gifted than John Mechie. Don't get me wrong. I don't know. I'm just I'm spitballing all these ideas in my head, thinking like trying trying not to get locked into. Well, Burton's going to be the guy, and 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 Harold might just rotate in a little bit. Like I, I'm kind of trying to piece this all together in my head and see what makes sense. So in your head, where are you putting um, with this addition? Where are you putting Jacory Brooks? This could put this, him on the bench. Uh, that's what I was kind of thinking too. Like this is. I think if anybody is negatively affected here the most, it's probably Ja'Cory Brooks, even though Brooks and Harrell, very different players. Um, I'm not moving Ja'Cory Brooks down that far because Tyler Harrell, I don't know how complete of a receiver he is. Um, I don't know how much more he can do besides just go deep. And I mean, he's great at that. Very, very good speed. But... This seems like it could be a situation like um, Taj Washington last year to USC, just in that, is he really good enough to go to that school? Is Tyler Hill really good enough to be a starting wide receiver for Alabama? I don't know the answer to that question. Um, We'll have to wait until the spring more or until the fall and kind of see how things are shaking out a little bit once he actually he gets on campus. Um, so I'm not knocking Ja'Cory Brooks too much yet, but I'm very cautious on him right now. He's interesting. So if you, I, I looked up his um, kind of his splits on PFF for where he saw targets last year, uh, limited targets. I don't think he played the whole year, um, but in his action last year, he had, uh, PFF defines deep as 20 plus yards downfield, medium 10 to 19 yards, short zero to nine yards. And then behind the line of scrimmage is self-explanatory um, t- deep targets. Again, 20 yards downfield. He had 20 of them. All other targets, 16. Yeah. Six medium, nine short, one behind the, lim- behind the line of scrimmage. And on those 20 deep targets, he had eight catches for 353 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, and he was in Louisville's Louisville's offense where those safeties had to always be aware 
of Malik Cunningham because of his threat and his ability as a rusher. They had to always be aware of him, that defense in general, but especially the safeties kind of had to always be aware of that. I feel like that probably played a role in Tyler Harrell getting behind the defense at times and leading into some of those huge numbers. So I knew he had like, what was his, what was his um, yards per catch? It was like 20 something. It was like something. It's absurd. high. Yeah. yeah. Was, I knew it's something absurd. So I knew most of his stuff happened on like big, deep plays. So that's why I'm questioning it a little bit, but you know, like I said, are we making the same mistake we made last year? And so I, like, I thought he missed two or three games last year, but according to PFF, like he, he saw significant snaps in 13 games. So I was probably wrong. I mean, so he only had like 36 targets in 13 games. Like I know the offense wasn't great, but um, there were certainly opportunities there. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know, but I think if you're, if you were really locked into, you know, it's Burton deep, um, um, a Brooks possession Earl slot. Now I think maybe you just need to redo that calculus in your head. And I'm wondering if this makes Jaquari Brooks a sell. Just because it looks like this coaching staff really doesn't trust him at all. Now, granted, I think they're also just taking advantage of the portal. But again, if they can take advantage of the portal next offseason again, what's to stop them from just jumping jumping Jaquari Brooks a, a third time, essentially? Yeah. I mean, I think I don't think it would make him a sell for me right now because I think there are enough people that are probably a little bit worried about this like we are. So I don't necessarily know how much value you're going to recoup if you just sell him right now. I think someone will still buy. I think someone will still buy. Not if they listen to this show, obviously. But um, I, I'm sure people will still buy uh, based on name alone. Speaking of buying, Colin, I have some questions for you here tonight. Man, what a transition. I know. I'm a pro. I'm a pro. What a um, transition. Theme of the night here, Colin. We've got spring practices are all done now. Um, a lot of narratives flying around um, based on what we've seen so far. So I have five questions here tonight. We're going to probably do a couple of uh, different sessions of these throughout the next couple of weeks. Um, but on, on tonight's episode, I have five questions for you. And I'm All I'm going to ask is a very simple question. It's going to say, are we buying... And then I'm going to give you a an offense, a position group, uh, something maybe a specific player, and we're just going to kind of talk about the narrative that's around in this offseason. If we are buying that narrative, and then by proxy, obviously, those players. Five five questions all across the country, all different positions. Um, first one here, Colin, I think is going to be a fun one. Are you buying the Washington State offense? And I think, let me rephrase that before. Are you buying specific players on that offense not named Cameron Ward? Yes, we are. At least I am. Um, my biggest hesitation there is I don't know exactly which receiver is going to lead that team at this point. Uh, we've heard, you know, Deshaun Stribling has looked pretty good. He's kind of been a popular name floated out there. Donovan Ali, another name that's been floated out there. Uh, Bernard Bell is coming back as well. You know, so if he can stay healthy, he's a guy that's flashed at times. So they have a couple different options there. Um, now, the offensive coordinator came over with Cam Ward, um, Eric Morris. 
Uh, he comes from the Mike Leach tree, so we know he's going to throw the ball a lot. Uh, the leading receiver for them last year had about 1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns. Um, so uh, that's definitely a guy that you want. The only hesitation is, again, who is that going to be? I probably lean at Stribling at this point. Who He's the most expensive one out of the group. He's still not too expensive, although he definitely has his believers out there. So some people, you know, have been taking him a little bit earlier. Um, at cost, I probably would take Donovan Ali. But if you if you made me pick just one name, probably Stribling. Yeah, Victor Lincoln flashed a little bit in the the spring game as well. And so just to give some some context here for anybody that doesn't know, Cameron Ward uh, transfer up from uh, a Division II Incarnate Word uh, was a hot name uh, in the transfer portal this year before winding up at Washington State. And then they're basically going to run a four-wide receiver system there. And the four wide receivers are, uh, as you mentioned, Colin, Juwan Stribling, uh, who's a redshirt freshman, Donovan Ollie, who's a redshirt junior, Victor Lincoln, is a senior fifth year, whatever. I don't know what to call him. And then Renard Bell is, is an older guy as well. I believe he's in his last year of eligibility. So those are probably going to be the four. I don't really know that we're looking anywhere else there uh, for production. So they are all very cheap, Colin, but it's a lot. It's it's kind of a big ask to act, to <laughs> to have to load up on all of them, right? Like I know, I know you have the strategy of I'm going to draft all of them and then cut the ones that stink. Um, but this, that feels like a lot to dump into one offense, um, to kind of try to figure out who the guy is there. Like this could be a case of just wanting Cameron Ward and then saying like, I don't think there's another guy I necessarily need to have at receiver there for the Cougars. Yeah, I I would, I, I definitely want whoever the wide receiver one is. Um, but like you said, that it is a lot of people you have to invest in. Good thing is it's not cost prohibitive. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to invest in all of them. If you're taking them, you know, late in 45 round drafts, um, I would imagine Lincoln Victor and Renard Bell are probably, if they're being drafted, it's probably like one of the last two rounds. I still probably, when it's four people like that, like you said, it's a, that is a lot to invest. I'm probably not taking four. You know, I might take a shot on one if it's a little bit later. Like I said, Donovan Ali at cost has probably been my favorite. But, yeah, I'm probably not taking all of them. So I don't need to have them. It's just a want. There's other receiving options that you can get out there that you can trust more. And just as a hilarious side note, um, if you go on Washington State's website, they have like their an article detailing what happened in the spring game uh, when I was looking for, for stats for this game earlier today. And they have... Uh, Lincoln Victor named on Washington State's own website in their article on this game. They have him named Lincoln Victory. <laughs> Lincoln Victory. I'm just going to assume it was an autocorrect. Somebody they did it multiple typed. times. So here, here's what the <laughs> sentence says. Crimson got back on the scoreboard when Ward found junior wide receiver Lincoln Victory with a 40-yard strike to the end zone. One of two touchdown passes on the day to victory. Twice. Twice. Well, they and were... The, and the first one links to his page. <laughs> I was going to say the second one, like you said, it, it was to victory. So maybe there it's like on the way to victory kind of a thing, but. Yeah, if yeah. you click on his on the name that they give, it takes you to his page and it's spelled correctly on there. So, uh, shout out to the Washington Cougars um, 
uh, staff who, who managed to find a way to mess that up. Um, I'm assuming we're not buying any running backs there. I'm not. No, I'm not. Nakia Watson, mildly intriguing. He was a transfer from um, Wisconsin. He was there last year. But that's nothing more than a late-round stash. And I haven't even really heard that much about him this spring either. So, you know, if you wanted to take him in the very end, sure. It's not the worst bet you could make, but I probably wouldn't. Um, Yeah, I... I uh... Whoever the running back is there has not even been like a question in my mind this offseason. Um, I got enough other things to keep me up at night. The the running back sitting at Washington State, not not one of them. Um, all right, Colin, how about this one? Talk about buying a bunch of guys and then cutting to bad ones. Are we buying dot 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 a text a specific Texas Tech quarterback, all of whom seem to have seem to have had you know price increases since the beginning of the offseason. And they, just for the people, the three quarterbacks here that we're talking about are Tyler Shuck, Donovan Smith, and Baron Morton are the three. Yeah, they, they've also seen a price increase. Um, I think deservedly so, because we know Zach Kitley's offense is going to throw the ball a ton. Um, so... I do think that it's warranted. Now, am I buying one specifically? A gun to my head, if you make me pick one, it's going to be Baron Morton. He's my favorite like out of the group. Also, he's the one I think who fits Kitley's system the best. And he looked pretty good uh, in the spring game, you know, the other, especially comparatively to the other two. Um, but I don't think he starts this year. I do think Shuck is going to be the one to start this year. So I am interested in Shuck. Uh, Baron Morton's more the play for the future there. Um, I'm kind of out on Donovan Smith. I don't think he fits Kitley's system. Um, I don't, I hesitate to say I don't think he's talented because he has some serious gifts. Um, I think he's, there's some things in his game that he struggles with that he needs development on. And I don't know if he's going to get that at Texas Tech. I think his best bet is to transfer. Um, so to answer your question, I am buying Baron Morton. And if the price is right, I would also buy Shuck. I, I'm I'm hesitant to to advocate buying any of these guys not named Tyler Shuck. Because this feels like a situation to me where none of them are players that were handpicked by this coaching staff. You have to think that there's going to be a play for somebody that fits this system a little better next offseason. Especially with what it looked like in the spring game. Like I think, you know, Shuck looked okay at times, but was disastrous at times, as were some of the other guys. Like, I don't think anybody there has played well enough to just think yeah, we'll probably give them the job like a long-term thing. So I, I don't know that I'm buying like I, the one year, the one year potential is really, really great, but man, it just doesn't feel like, 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 like any of those guys keep a job beyond this year. So it's not, it's not really a long-term play. I think one other thing too, that we're kind of overlooking is, you know, we really want the quarterback and pieces of, 
Zach Hitley's system. But this is going from it was successful, highly, highly successful last year at Western Kentucky. Texas Tech is a very different environment than Western Kentucky. Uh, they basically Western Kentucky basically imported an entire offense and it had been used to that system before. And it's not a high level, uh, high level of competition. Not that I mean, out of the power five schools, the big 12 or power five conferences, the big 12 is probably the worst or arguably the worst, at least. Um, and Texas Tech's not exactly a powerhouse in that conference either. So, you know, I think that there is some concern that this offense doesn't look quite as good as we want it to, at least early on in the season. Um, and I think that while Shuck could start the season, I do think there's a chance Baron Morton takes over at some point. Like I said, I think Baron Morton, even though he was not handpicked by this coaching staff, I think he fits the system. I think he fits what they want to do there. Um, and I think he'll come. I think he'll come along. So I, I like him longer term. A big thing I think is going to really hold that offense back this year is that they really only have one receiver on that team. Miles it, it's Miles Price. And then, you know, we've heard hype on uh, Loic Fungi, um, Collins Nemesis, um, <laughs> who just isn't good. I, I refuse to believe that he's going to be any good there, even though the system is, is what it is. Uh, you're talking about maybe a, a JJ Sparkman, a um, uh, who's the giant? Jaron Brandley, Bradley. Yeah, Jaron Bradley. Like they, they got all these. That I just don't think they have anybody that's good at football there besides Miles Price. I think they need another year there before we see this offense at its peak. Because mm-hmm. um, remember, Western Kentucky had two guys last year. They had Jarrett Stearns, then they had Mitchell Tinsley as well. And Tinsley didn't get the fanfare, but he had quite a good year. Uh, as well um i just don't see that second option there and i don't see the quarterback that's going to be as efficient as bailey zappy so i think people expecting that that exact repeat are going to be really disappointed i think miles price is really the only guy in that offense that i'm like buy buy buying um unfortunately the the running backs in that system probably not going to perform that well which stinks because we like taj brooks um strodrick thompson's whatever at this point uh he's like 80 (laughs) um so like I just there's I, I, not a lot there that that I I really 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 um, like Baylor Cup transferred there too right mm-hmm. a couple yeah. weeks ago I I don't know if the off that offense is going to really use a tight end that well but who knows I mean Joshua Simon it was very 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 small sample size it was one game before he got hurt but I mean he looked good in that one game so you know they could potentially use a tight end in that system but. Baylor Cup would have to stay healthy first. So if I'm buying a Texas Tech tight end, it's been either Teeter uh, or Tharp. I've been tending to lean Tharp, but both of those guys are super cheap. Are we buying dot, 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 the John Reese Plumley hype at UCF? Uh, John Reese Plumley transferred over from Ole Miss this offseason, uh, was a wide receiver slash baseball player there, uh, but has some quarterback roots and has uh, they're going to try to let him play that position with the Golden Knights with Gus Malzahn, who is allergic to actually playing a quarterback at quarterback. Um, supposedly looked good this spring. Supposedly had a good spring game. Supposedly, maybe look the best of any of the quarterbacks there. Not that that's that much of a feat. Their quarterbacks really are not very good. 
um, with his rushing upside, has the potential to do some really big things this year for fantasy purposes. Um, he's definitely not really an NFL guy or, or a guy you're banking on for that at all. Are we buying the JRP hype? Not really. No, I'm still not convinced he wins that job. Um, I mean, Mikey Keene was fine last year, and I think he's a fine quarterback. Like, I don't think he's going to lose them games. I think John Reese Plumley, as a quarterback, is not good. Um, there's a reason that he, you know, transitioned to wide receiver at Ole Miss. Um, now he is athletic enough that you know he got on the field for that, and you know Matt Corral beat him out. Matt Corral, we thought we liked until he went in the third round of the draft, but. You know, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think JR. I think JRP is more athlete than quarterback. I don't think he's a particularly good quarterback. I think that, you know, so I'm not really buying him, but I'm not really buying anybody on that offense. So I, I'm cautiously buying. He's so cheap this offseason. I picked him up my last two um, supplemental drafts. One uh, we're in right now was a was a ten rounder. I picked him up in the ninth round. Uh, and then another was an auction that I got him for uh, very, very cheap. Um, the upside is just really, really high for for not a lot of cost. I, I don't, I don't exactly know, but I, I figure it's worth a shot. I know our CFF team is has him rated fairly high, and I know that he was a a point of contention when they did their quarterback uh, roundtable that they yes. found on our YouTube page. Um, I don't know. I mean, crazier things have happened, right? Yeah, I mean, and this is what Gus Malzahn wants. Yeah, Gus Malzahn, if he had his way tomorrow, would have the Infinity Gauntlet. He would snap, and no real quarterbacks would ever exist again on this entire (laughs) planet. They'd all be gone. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know. I just. Could he be good for fantasy? I guess, yeah, because of the legs. But I just I struggle to trust him. Um. All right. Uh, speaking of, of you know potential quarterback battle, Colin, how about this one? Are we buying dot 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 that the Cincinnati quarterback battle is over? That it is Evan Prater's job. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Or is Ben Bryant, uh, former Cincinnati, former Eastern Michigan, now Cincinnati again quarterback? Does he still have a shot at this thing? Does he have a shot? Yeah, sort of. Should he have a shot? No. I do not think Ben Bryant's very good. Um, while Cincinnati lost like a good amount off of that defense last year, they lost a good amount from that team overall. I still think they're probably the favorite for the AAC, or if they're not, mm-hmm. it's like them in Houston. I, I think Houston's better than them by a good chunk. It wouldn't surprise me if SMU is better than them, too. I think they finished uh, third. Maybe, but I don't think they're going to be – they're not starting Ben Bryant-level quarterback bad. It, it's, um, t- it's tough to build up to that crescendo that they had last offseason and then still be really good the year after. Like I think yeah, that's just a very big state. ask, especially when you have your – your quarterback who's been there for years is one of your main pieces is one of the guys that's gone as your, your best running back, your best wide receiver. Uh, Josh Wiley come back. 
No, he's gone. No, I think he's still there. No, I think he's gone. I thought he was still um, there. Uh, if he is, I haven't cut him from a couple of rosters yet. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's gone. And then you lose a bunch of your your defense as well. You know, your two starting corners, at least one of the safeties, uh, Darian Beavers. They, they lose a lot. I, I, it's a big ask, even though Cincinnati has recruited on average uh, significantly better than any other G5 program in the country over the past couple of years. They have been. Um, so I don't think that, you know, they're not go to the playoff good. Um, but I I do think they're better than than SMU still. It's probably them in Houston in my eyes. Um, but either way, we're getting a little bit off track on that one. Um, yeah, I think the battle's over. Ben Bryant's not good. Evan Prater gives him the best chance to win. Is Evan Prater going to make mistakes? Yeah, he probably is. The ceiling for that team is is higher than with Ben Bryant. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's over. Um, last one here, Colin, I didn't want to talk about this one, but Colin did. Um, are we buying dot, dot, dot the Washington offense? And I'm just going to let you monologue on this for however long you want. I mean, I put it on the show sheet with a question mark. You know, we've talked a little bit about it before, so you did, we didn't have to bring this up, but Everybody knows the everybody knows my answer. Yeah, I'm I'm buying the Washington offense. I think even if Michael Penix is driving, Michael Penix is going to be driving until he crashes in you know six plays in to the game. No, I, I don't think he starts the full year. Um, I think at this point he's probably leaning towards starting. But even Michael Penix was not that bad under Kalen DeBoer, and neither was his wide receiver one Ty Freifogel. So. Do I love it if Michael Penix is starting? No, I would prefer Sam Heward. But am I still buying even if Penix is starting? Um, yes. Now, if Penix is starting, I think it limits the ceiling of McMillan and Adunze. But I'm still interested in them. Because Kalen DeBoer wide receivers are just, they, they just produce very solid numbers. Jalen Cropper, Ty Freifogel, even going back to the first time that DeBoer was at Fresno, you had Keyshawn Johnson who put up a ton of yards there. Um, so Kalen DeBoer wide receiver ones just, just produce well. Are, you know, are they going to be Jareth Stearns? Are they going to be you know, Blake Anderson at Utah, like, well, now Utah State, but Blake Anderson wide receiver ones? No, they're not going to be that good. But they're going to be, Kalen DeBoer is going to produce a consistent wide receiver two for CFF purposes. And between McMillan and Adunze, I think one of them hits that. I think whichever one hits that has a good shot to get some decent draft capital, probably round three. Round four, I think, is probably where you're looking at one of them, depending on exactly the year that they have, if they go back or however that shakes out. But I'm buying Adunze and McMillan. Um, but I know Chris Moxley is not a fan, and I don't particularly love the price. They are getting some hype still, but I like those guys. As far as the running back goes, Aaron Dumas sounds like the one who is – leading that room although everybody was hurt there this spring um 
Aaron Dumas, you could do a worse fly. You could have as a worse flyer, but I, you know, I think cause he catches passes. So I think he could have a Ronnie rivers light role there. If he ends up taking that offense. So, you know, he's not going to produce as big a numbers as rivers did. Cause he's not as good, but he could be worthwhile. Monologue over. You're done. Okay. I just to make oh, and Devin Devin Culp at tight end is interesting as well. Now you done? Yeah, now I'm done. Okay. Um, oh, and thing. no, I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, we're done. Um, last thing here tonight, guys. Freshman profiles. Two players here. Le'Veon. Oh, sorry, Colin. I I spoiled your thing. That's what you get for for uh, putting that on the show sheet last minute. Sure. Fine. Talk about your guy who didn't have to story remains nameless. No one knows. It's a surprise. <laughs> My freshman profile for this week is Le'Veon Moss. Oh. Four, four star prospect, number five running back in the class 2025 here. Uh, he is going to Texas A&M. He is part of that big recruiting class that they got. Um, you know, he was looking at Alabama, he was looking at LSU, uh, and then Texas A&M had a barbecue, and all of a sudden now he's going to, to Texas A&M. Um, but Le'Veon Moss, he's a solid athlete, uh, but not great. Uh, he was clocked at 21.0 miles per hour by our recruiting team there, so he has some good top-end speed. You know, he can break some bigger runs off, uh, but he has an upright running style, uh, which is concerning a little bit, uh, but it also that running style works better in a straight line than it does laterally. Um, so he's more of a one cut and go type of a guy. I, doesn't, I do think he has really good vision. Uh, he hits the holes decisively, um, but he lacks patience a little bit. He needs to develop. He sometimes tries to get upfield too quickly. Sometimes he tries to, he sees the hole, he tries to hit it too quick uh, and it hasn't quite fully opened up yet. Um, he is currently at 190 pounds, which is concerning. Um, he definitely is a frame to carry more weight, but we're going to need to see him put that on a bit more, a bit quickly. Uh, but at 190 pounds, at least in high school, you know, he can run through arm tackles. He's not afraid to take on contact. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll take on a defender, put the shoulder down, get a couple of yards there at the end of the play. Pass catching wise, uh, pretty limited. If reps in high school, at least from what I was able to find. So it's hard to assess that accurately, but given the limited reps, I'm not overly optimistic there. Uh, now he's going to be entering in a room with Devin Achain, who is a guy that I like. Uh, LJ Johnson's there. LJ Johnson really wasn't doing anything this spring, though. Um, what's that? He was banged up. He was banged up. Just yeah. to get that out there. Yeah. Um, and they had who was the other guy? It was Armani Daniels. Amari Daniels. Daniels. Amari Daniels. Yes, that was the other guy um, who was getting some work this spring. So they have some talent in that room. Uh, all those guys you mentioned were, were four stars. So they have talent there. Not the clearest path to playing time, but if he can beat out the other running backs in that room, um, you know, I, I like his his odds at, at you know at, at having an NFL future, but. Uh, it's, it's a little murky at this point. So I'm a little bit lower on him than RB five in the class. 
And he uh, he's not an early enrollee either, which I no. think hurts him. He's a guy that I think you would have liked to see get on campus uh, early. Um, so I think that that's a little bit concerning with him as well. Yeah, it is. So if you're, you know, for, for news for him this spring, um, not going to find any. Um, that's why Amari Daniels was getting most of the work this spring because Achim was running track and uh, LJ Johnson was junior was banged up. Yeah. Um, how much do you think LJ Johnson weighs, by the way? Um, well, he's probably like, what, 195, 200? LJ Johnson? Yeah, wasn't that what he was coming out? I didn't look at what his, what he was listed at last year. He was a beefcake coming out. Hmm. I don't know. What's he up to? 205. 205? Yeah. Okay. I thought so he, I thought he I thought he'd be like 220 by now. That's a little shocking to me. He was, I think, around that coming out of high school. So um a little bit of a red uh, flag there. He was yeah, he was two oh five. Um just thought I'd throw that out there. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Anything for you. Um so I is it my turn? Should I go? You have anything to add on 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 him? I mean, I I have him. He he started higher for me throughout He's the process, for me. and then kind of fell a little bit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think he started for me and started the process probably around like RB five or six ish. And then he has fallen for me. He's down closer to like ten to twelve. Yeah, I'm trying to look up right now exactly where I have him at this point, real quick. Um. Post spring, I have him as my RB. Oh, he's dropped a lot. I have him down at 22 now. Um, yeah, he, pre- precipitous fall. Um, I mean, you can't tell me he deserves to be over a guy like like Ollie Gordon or Quinshawn Judkins, even Cartavius Norton at Iowa State, who I think is the next man up there. Like, I think he's the obvious next man up. Is Norton is, in, is Norton in this spring? I don't know. Yes, he is. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. I don't really follow Iowa State all that closely, to be honest. They're a tough one to find news on. Them yeah. and Iowa both are. Um, Iowa is way more difficult, but not, neither make it easy. Um, who wants Who wants to be a national program anyway? Right. Like, yeah. Have, let's just hide everything about our program during the spring. Um, yeah. I mean, because we gain a huge advantage over our opponents by not letting them know who's running with the ones this spring, or by you know, having our offensive, our one offense play our two defense. I yeah. think that uh, gives us a huge advantage. You can't be giving too much away. Yeah. Um, so my guy for tonight is Justin Martin, quarterback at UCLA. Um, 6'4", 210, uh, bigger guy, a really good athlete, quarterback 20 in this year's class and a four-star, um, somewhat local kid from Inglewood High School there out in California. Um and I, I, I think a lot of the analysis with him starts and ends with with fit with scheme and team and, and coaching staff. Justin Martin um, is is pretty comparable to DTR coming out. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, who's their court, current quarterback and in his final year of eligibility, finally there. Um, uh, he's he's been more athlete than quarterback for most of his career. Never really developed like they they hoped. Um, and, and Martin's kind of at at that same point right now as well. He's a bigger guy. He's a really smooth athlete though. He moves very, very well uh, for that six, four, uh, two ten size. Um, 
He's got a pretty big arm as well. I, like, I don't think he's got the strongest arm in the class, but it's definitely pretty darn good. Um, I, I've heard some issues with him on decision making. You know, obviously hard to tell on that particular point from from high school film, especially when a lot of it is is highlight cutups and things like that. But but the physical tools are there. I, I think you know the only other quarterback really on the roster that, that's a, a competitor for the job over the next couple of years is Ethan Garbers. Um, and he's that, that fit never really made sense to me, him going to UCLA. Like he's not a terrible athlete, but he's definitely not what Chip Kelly is generally looking for in a quarterback. So I think Martin, uh, who, who was at the Polynesian bowl and and apparently looked really, really good there. Um, I, I think he can definitely be the guy, uh, to take over there. Um, and I think, you know, even if he never develops, you're, you're hoping that you can get basically DTRs production over the next three to four years. Um, and, and that would be pretty great for, for C2C rosters, for CFF rosters as well. Um, and it feels like he's a pretty clear heir apparent there. So I'm buying him suit like late round, last round of drafts. If it's an auction, I think I got him for like two bucks, a couple places. Um, just a really, really nice stash. Cause I feel, you know, you you sit a year, you wait, and as long as they don't pick somebody from the portal, doesn't sound like they're really on any of the top guys in next year's class. You got to figure that Martin's going to be that guy. And that, you know, the analysis into him, you know, really specifically as a player doesn't even really need to happen because I think those two things uh, line up very nicely for him. Yep. I completely agree. I'm a little bit upset that you're talking about him right now because his ADP is going to skyrocket now. Um, I've talked about him like five times on Twitter this offseason and it has not really moved the needle. So for what it's worth. Yeah. I guess, but I'm just, I like, I completely agree with everything you said. I don't, I think he ha, he's a toolsy prospect um, with, you know, could he have an NFL future because of his tools? Sure. Do I think it's going to happen? No, probably not. But that's not why you're taking him. You're taking him because you want DTR. DTR is a QB two for fantasy with QB one ceiling. And if you can get that, in round 40, 35, wherever you end up taking him, you know, I think that's a, that's a steal. You have to wait a year, like you said, but UCLA isn't really like a burning transfer destination for quarterbacks, uh, even though Dylan Gabriel was going to go there for a hot sec. Um, yeah, I, I think he's just pretty clearly the air apparent, like you said. Um, that's going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Check out the podcast feed. Um, all the great shows over there. No Chasing the Natty this week. Our resident CFF podcast host is finishing up his grad school semester, but it'll be back next week. Do not worry. Got us on Tuesdays. Debbie Debate on Wednesdays. Noah Hill's Hero RB Show on Thursdays. And uh, uh, Canton Bound Future Freshman on Fridays. Um, that's all I've got, though, guys. Until next week, I'm Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.